0: Anybody in real estate, by the way? Johnny, just Johnny. Anybody wish they were in real estate right about now? No? Imagine that you were in real estate, or Johnny, you don't have to imagine that, but for the rest of us, let's imagine that you are in real estate. You are working with a, a young couple, they are just married. Like Stephen and Shelby are gonna be next Saturday night. And you tell them over the phone, I've got a great house for you. I'm convinced it's everything you want and everything that you need. It's priced really, really well. And I'm ready to give you this contract on this house right now. But here's here's the catch. You have to commit to living in this house for the rest of your life. This is going to be your only house forever. I think you guys have some questions. That's an awfully big commit, right? You're going to have a lot of questions. You want to find out more about that house. You're going to find out more about where am I going to be living for the rest of my life. You know, I think maybe that's one of the reasons we talked about sharing Jesus with other people last week. I think maybe that's one of the reasons we don't share Jesus with other people like we know we should. It's because ultimately we know that we're going to spend eternity in heaven, that that's going to be our forever home. But we really just don't know a whole lot about it. And because we don't know a whole lot about it, we have a hard time sharing that good news with somebody else. In fact, in those places in our mind and our heart that we wouldn't dare talk about in our Sunday school class, sometimes we ourselves even wonder, is it even going to really be a place that I'm going to find enjoyment there myself? See, when we don't really know about it, it's going to hinder us from sharing that with other people, and it may even kind of dilute our own joy about what it's going to be like. And when we, again, in those... Dark places in our minds that we don't talk about at Sunday school, you may find yourself thinking if I talk to somebody about my faith and they start asking me questions about heaven, the truth is, to the average unchurched Joe out on the street, the answers that I have to give about heaven, they sound kind of goofy. They say, Well, tell me, tell me what's it going to look like? Well, now see, a lot of you church folks are offended right now. You're like, I ain't nothing goofy about it. That's because you're who you are. But to a lot of people, think how goofy this sounds. You say, well, the, the streets are made of gold. And there's a big gate made out of pearl. And there's lots of mansions. And we eat a lot of good food and we never get fat. Right. Let's be honest. Outside these walls to a whole lot of people out there, that sounds kind of goofy. You try to answer that question. What's it look like? Then they may ask you, well, if we're going to be there forever, what are we going to do? You think, well, uh, I'm not real sure. I think it's going to sort of be like a really long church service. And you know they're chomping at the bit to get into one of those, right? Look, not knowing how we're going to spend eternity, not understanding that, let's be honest, it makes it really difficult for us to share that well with other people. And it dilutes our own joy as we think about what God has in store for us. Now listen, if we want to understand what God has planned for us for eternity, then we got to go back to the original blueprint. The original blueprint is not found in a closet up in space in heaven somewhere. The original blueprint was on this earth back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 in a place called the Garden of Eden. God created people in real physical bodies, To live on a real physical planet where they would serve and rule and reign with God here. But then sin came. Genesis chapter 3. And sin wrecked God's creation. It wrecked, it appeared even, the plan of God. And it looked like then the only thing left for God to do was to send His only Son into the world... That whosoever believes in Him might not perish, but one day would get plucked up off of this earth and go live way out there in a place called heaven with God one day. That's what most of you have been believing. But that is not at all how the story goes. Listen, if God wanted us to live way out there in some angelic realm, Why didn't he just put Adam and Eve in the angelic realm to begin with? That's not what he did. He created us in real bodies, physical bodies, put us on a real planet, on a physical earth. And his plan from the very beginning has not that we leave here to go be there with him. His plan from the beginning has been that he would leave there to come here and to live with us. Is that not what he was doing with Adam and Eve? Real physical bodies on a real physical earth. And the Bible says in the cool of the day, they walked with God every single day in this world, this world that God had created for them to live in. Listen, if you think that after sin came into the world, that God just abandoned that plan if he just said, oh, well, that was my plan A, that I would have physical people on a physical earth and I would come here and I would live with them and now sin came in the world and God was like, well, plan B, I'm just going to have to get y'all up out of here and we're going to go live way out here forever. If that's what you think is going to happen, you have missed the whole story. You've totally missed it. Spoiler alert. Our story as the people of God does not end with us floating around somewhere in outer space on clouds with harps like little angels forever. That's not at all how the story ends. No, the story ends, and it really never ends, but let's just use that term. The story ends just like it started back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 where God Made people in real bodies on a real earth to have fellowship with God. Listen to what Jesus said. And I, I, there's not verses on the screen today or points on the screen, and y'all, to be honest, I've been writing eulogies all week long. I pieced a sermon together. Last minute. That is highly unusual for your pastor. Almost made a call last night to a friend and say, "Would you preach for me today?" But I knew we had finished Revelation 20, we'd come to Revelation 21, and I thought, no, our church is hurting, and we're at Revelation 21, the pastor needs to have a word from the Lord, so that's where we are today, all right, now, so forgive me for that, but I'll ask you a favor, nobody else can die for a while, all right, please, y'all just back off for a little while, all right, we'd appreciate that. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 23. You want to write that down. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. And listen, and we will come to them. And make our home with them. That's from Jesus. God's plan has never been to take us to live with him. But for him to come and to live with us, this world, in this world that he's made for us. And listen, that is ultimately what heaven is going to be. Ultimately, it's God coming to live on a new earth with his rescued, redeemed, resurrected people in new bodies, real bodies, physical bodies that are built for eternity. That's what it's really going to be like. We're going to have real bodies that aren't infected with sin and they don't break down and they don't get COVID and they don't get cancer and we don't die. I told one of those funeral directors this week, I said, soon, bro, we're out of a job. Especially you. (laughs) That's what God has in store. Right now, this place we called heaven is with the Lord. Heaven is simply the name that we give to wherever God dwells. Right now, that's not here with us, but in the future, it will be. Some of your minds are being blown right now. In the future, heaven is going to be on the earth, on a new earth. And if we, if we fail to understand that, it makes our understanding blurry, does it not, of what God has in store for us? if we think about god getting us out of here and taking us into some sweet by and by we try to get really excited about that but it doesn't really compute for us something inside of us says i wasn't made for way out there i was made for this right here randy alcorn who i've learned so much about the topic of heaven from he's got a great book called heaven Randy Alcorn, if you want to write that down, I encourage you to get it. Because how many of you have somebody that you love that's with the Lord right now? Probably almost every one of us has somebody that we love that's with the Lord. This book will help you tremendously to better understand what it is that God is doing here. Because when we fail to understand what he's going to do, it kind of leaves us confused. And leaves us being less than eager to share the good news that we have with somebody else. We don't even want to invite people to come listen to our pastor rant for 30 minutes. Why are we going to invite anybody to sit through a long, eternally long church service in glory, right? That's not what it's going to be. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that God created everything, that the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. And one day he's going to resurrect this earth and he's going to totally restore this earth and he is going to reclaim every inch of it. But until that day happens... Let's talk about our loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord. Because that's what's on our hearts, especially at Grace Life this week. What about them? What happens to them? Right now, when a follower of Christ passes away, they go instantly, immediately, to be where the Lord is right now. Some people call where He is right now the present heaven. Or the intermediate heaven. Right now, when a Christian dies, they go immediately to where God is. And yes, we appropriately call that place heaven. Heaven is just simply the name for the dwelling place of God. But listen to me. That's not where your loved one or you or me. That's not where we're going to be forever. The reason is because one day God is going to relocate heaven to the earth. In the weeks to come, we're going to talk more, Lord willing, about this new heaven and new earth as we come to the final verses in our study through Revelation. But today, I know what's on a lot of our minds is Jim Horn and Suzanne Barnes and Tommy Kuykendall and Marilyn Montgomery and Bill Van And the list is, I can't even, I've lost count of our church family members that have gone on to be with the Lord this year. So I know where our minds are today, so let's talk about that. What, what is it like where they are right now? We'll talk next week about what it's ultimately going to be like in the permanent heaven, but right now in the temporary, the intermediate. What's that like for our friends and family members who are there? Let me give you just a few things to know today. Number one, those who go into the present heaven go there without their bodies. You already knew that, right? If you've ever been to a funeral where the casket was open, you clearly understood their bodies here. They're with the Lord. This is just the shell, the body that the real us, is encased in. The Bible says absent from the body is present with the Lord. So that body stays behind here. But let me say this. I do think our friends and family members who are with the Lord right now have some type of body. It's not this body. They're going to get this body back one day at resurrection. It won't be the same. It's going to be changed. It's going to be perfected. It's going to be glorified. It's going to be sin-proof and death-proof and decay-proof. But I believe right now, even though these old bodies get left behind temporarily, Jim Horn's body's laying down there behind the church in Shorterville, Alabama. But I believe right now, Jim Horn has a body of some kind. I believe our friends and family members have a body of some kind, at least temporarily, in heaven. A few reasons why I think this. We came across this passage in Revelation chapter 6 a number of weeks ago. We talked about the men and women in the tribulation who will follow Christ and they'll lose their lives because of that. And they, they go into heaven to be with the Lord. Their bodies are still here, but they go into heaven to be with the Lord. And in Revelation chapter 6, they're described as wearing white robes. Now, disembodied spirits don't have any need to wear a white robe, if they're wearing a, right, a white robe, we know that Jesus is in heaven right now with a body. So if Jesus is there with a body, it's possible that other people there right now have at least some type of temporary, intermediate Body. I think about Moses and Elijah. Here's another example, right? Jesus is on top of a mountain one day, and one day Moses and Elijah, who have been dead and in the presence of the Lord now for quite some time, suddenly they're standing on that mountain with Jesus. They have some type of body because they're recognizable. They're having fellowship with each other. It's so real that Peter even says, hey, let's just kind of build a place for all of us to live up here on this mountain together. They were recognizable as Moses and Elijah. I believe if Moses and Elijah showed up in this room right now, first of all, I'd probably preach a lot of funerals next week because we'd probably all die of a heart attack. But that aside, if Moses and Elijah appeared in here today, I think we would know who they are. One of the questions that people ask, and I don't know where this question comes from, is are we going to know each other in heaven? Well, of course we are. We're made for relationships. God's intended for us to know him and to know one another and to enjoy fellowship with one another. And Even Peter, who lived a thousand or so years after Moses and Elijah, he and James and John, they knew who Moses and Elijah were in that moment. Jesus tells this story, Luke chapter 16, if you want to write this down, Luke 16, 19. Some people call this a parable. And listen, parables, you've got to be careful about pulling out truths from that and saying hard and fast, this is how it is. It's a, it's a heavenly story. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I'm not sure that what Jesus is telling us in Luke 16 is a parable. I, I think it actually may be a true account. The reason for that is, unlike any other parable, Jesus names names specific people here in Luke chapter 16. Beginning in verse 19, Jesus says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here and you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you... A great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Jesus is describing the scene of people who are in the eternal state at that moment. I want you to notice they have their identity, they're recognizable. We have Lazarus, and we have the rich man, and he knows who Lazarus is. We know that they have some kind of physical form in this state, right? The rich man has a tongue, and Lazarus has a finger, and he wants Lazarus to at least flick some water on his tongue. So I believe from Scripture that those of our loved ones who trusted Christ and have gone on to be with the Lord while their earthly bodies are left here for right now on this earth, I believe that in the present heaven they have some type of body. Second thing I want you to know today, that those who have gone on to the present heaven are in a far better place. Now you're all saying, well, you didn't have to tell us that one, Pastor. We pretty well guessed that. Paul says in Philippians 1:21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Believe me, if your loved one knew Jesus Christ and they have passed on to be with the Lord, we can't imagine what an incredible time they're having where they are. I, I know we miss them, and I hate to break it to you. They're not missing us. You know, they're in a place where there is no time, That's hard for me to understand. I'm not even sure that there's even a moment there that they are aware that we're not all there. I'm not quite sure how all that works, but I'm telling you, the time of their life. Some people ask me, you know, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Jesus wept. Here's why I think Jesus wept. Because of what he was about to do to one of his best friends. He was about to bring one of his best friends back. From being with the Lord in heaven to this planet. Aren't we backwards here? We cry when they leave earth and go to heaven. Jesus cries when he brings them from heaven to earth. What did he know? He knew they were far better where they were, where they are. Those who go to the present heaven are in a far better place. And then I'll tell you point number three, and this is why it's a far better place. Because those who go to the present heaven, they're in the presence of God. Paul says in Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire, I want to, I long to depart and be with Christ. Make no mistake about it. When you pass from this life into the present heaven to be with the Lord, you are literally with the Lord. Paul says, which is better by far. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, Paul says, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, that's this, we're away from the Lord. For if we live by faith, not by sight, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We'll be with the Lord. The present heaven is far better than your best day in this life because we will be with the Lord where he dwells. But that's not our final home. That's not where we're going to be forever that's not the place that we were made for God will see to it that his people are going to have a real physical body that we're going to live on a real physical earth think about it an earth that is perfect and flawless and reflective of the glory of God and we're going to be there forever that was his plan and that is still his plan and I need to remind you, nothing ever stops the plan of God. It's important that we remember this difference between the present heaven and the future heaven. So that we're not confused. So that we're more inclined to be excited to tell other people about that. Did you know, friend, did you know we're going to have a real body and we're going to live? Can you imagine that? We're going to get to be together And we're going to get to explore, and we're going to get to learn, and we're going to get to travel, and we're going to get to serve God, and we're going to get to see sites that we've never even imagined before. We're going to be going places, and we're going to be experiencing different people's lives and hearing their stories, and we're going to be in all of this kind of stuff in the presence of the Lord. Doesn't that sound a whole lot better than floating on a cloud with a harp in a really long church service? Y'all really got to quit watching all those Tom and Jerry cartoons. And read your Bible. Let me tell you this about your loved ones in heaven. I believe they're looking forward to Jesus returning in the air. And rapturing his church and raising the dead. You know why I believe that? You know why I think they're excited about that? Brandy, you know why your Uncle Jim's excited about that? Because when Jesus comes back on that day, he's bringing Jim with him. Our friends and family members, they're coming back. When Jesus comes back, listen, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. Yeah, Grace Life has walked through the valley of the shadow of death this week, but we have not grieved like a world that doesn't know Jesus. Paul says, I don't want you to grieve that way. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Did you just hear that? When Jesus comes, he's bringing Marilyn back. They're coming back. Your loved ones that are with the Lord, they're coming back when he comes back. Verse 15, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left, Until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those earthly bodies that have been laid in the ground, I don't know what kind of temporary body that is that those souls have that are with the Lord right now, but they're coming back when the Lord comes back, and then God's going to raise up every molecule that's ever dissolved in the earth or drowned in the depths of the sea. God's going to stitch all that back together, and He's going to join those perfect, glorified, new, sin proof death-proof, eternity-lasting bodies with who that person is. The Bible says that after that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them. There'll never be another goodbye. We're going to be with them. We're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. It doesn't say we're going to live in the air forever. It says we'll be with the Lord forever. We'll meet Him in the air. But that's not where we're going to be forever. It's going to start in this present heaven. But it's going to end in the future heaven on earth. The new heaven and the new earth. That's our final destination. There will be no... Tedium, no boredom whatsoever. This present heaven right now, where our loved ones are, that's just a brief layover. They're just there for a little while. If you and I pass on before the Lord comes back, that's just our layover. That's not our final destination. And by the way, the present hell is just temporary too. If you were here last week, you ought to know that. Revelation chapter 20, last week, verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Where hell is, is going to change. Where heaven is, is going to change. Let me tell you what's not going to change. Who God is. It's never going to change. The same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Next week, Lord willing, I'm going to dig into the new heaven and new earth. Revelation 21. We talked about what's going on with our loved ones right now. But what's ultimately going to be going on? What's it ultimately going to be like? Lord willing, I'll be there next week. But for now, this morning. I want to give you just one little lick of your mama's brownie spoon. All right? Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. Hello? Did You hear that? God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I can't wait to... Walk through that with you guys in the coming weeks. I can't wait to hear him say, I am making everything new. But you know what I want to tell you this morning? You don't have to wait till then for God to make something new in your life. Some of you today, you may need a new heart. You don't have a personal relationship with God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and your heart's dead in your sin. And you need a new heart. He'll give you a new heart today if you'll ask Him. Some of you today need a new start. You've been going the wrong direction. You've turned from the Lord, been doing life your own way, on your own terms. All you've got to do today is turn back to Him, repent, and confess your sin to the Lord. The Bible says that if you'll do that, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Some of you today need newness of joy. You've lost the joy of your salvation. You could ask the Lord today, God, would you give me a new joy in my relationship with you? Some of you today need a new newness in your purpose in this life, a new newness in the ministry that God's called you into. You've become slack with it. You've set it aside. You've not been focused on it. God, would you give me a new focus about why you've called me here to this place and what you would have me to do in this short life that you've given me. God will give you newness in your marriage. He'll give you newness in your family, newness in your relationships if you'll call on Him and ask Him. Can I ask you what needs to be renewed in your life today? Do you need a new heart today? Give your life to Christ. You need a new start today? He'll give it to you if you'll just ask Him new joy, new mercy, a newness in your purpose and mission and witness in this world. What needs to be made new? Would you bow with me with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed? I want you to answer that question. What do you need Jesus to make new in your life today? Can I ask you to do something when you've got the answer to that question? I want you just to posture your body like this. Would you just put the back of your hand on your knee with your palm just facing heaven? And just admit to the Lord here it is, Lord, it's broken. Promises heart, a relationship, a witness, a dream, it's broken, and I broke it, Lord, I allowed it to be broken, I participated in the breaking of it, and I've tried to piece it back together. I've tried in my own effort to restore it. But God, it just needs to be made new. And Jesus, you're the only one that can do that. So I'm calling on you today to make this new. The newness of it may not look like I think it ought to look story may be different than I thought. It may be a different story altogether. But Jesus, whatever your definition of new is for this, I surrender. Because Jesus, I recognize you gave everything for all of me. You paid the price. You paid it all. And the last thing I'm going to do is close my fist up around this that's in my hand before you today. Say, I don't trust you with this. No, Jesus, I do trust you. If you would give your life for me, how would I not trust you with this? So I do. Take it, Jesus. And have your will with it. I want to invite you to stand as we worship the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you keep our hands open and keep our hearts open as we reflect on your love for us that sent Jesus to the cross, if you wouldn't hold him back from us, why would we hold anything back from you?